Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spiegel, and we are happy to welcome this week's guest, to discuss today's topic, which is ways to maximize your valuation when selling a business. Today's guest is the CEO of South Pole, an e-commerce accelerator fund that partners with successful e-commerce founders to illuminate the trail to an optimized exit of value. A big welcome to Nick Weeksner. Hi, Nick. Hey, Andy. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Well, thanks for joining us. So how does South Pole help e-commerce companies accelerate their growth? That's a great question. So it's a bit much because we're a little bit different than what's out there in the market. There are not a lot of things like us. We're the South Call is the genesis of a joint venture between three very successful e-commerce companies that does something different than each one of the three companies that joint venture came together. But we go into a company, we provide capital for growth. because It's always good to have capital for growth. We provide strategic resources uh, to help them understand what they should be doing. We lay out plans with them about how their valuation is going to go from where it is now to what they want to exit for. And basically we work with entrepreneurs who have, you know, four to 30 million in revenue, um, profitable, uh, growing, um, but they really want to double or triple their current valuation and sell in 18 to 24 months, which is no small feat. So it's our entrepreneurs tend to be people that are, they're going to take this capital infusion and put it right back into the company. And then we're going to work with them so that it churns through that company and creates the value that they get on the exit and sale to a strategic buyer, um, you know, which we can get into sort of why we are with the range we are, but everything sort of fits that the exit's going to go to somebody who is adding this to a portfolio of um, things that they sell and that this would be a strategic purchase for them. And that's how you can get the multiples to be higher. So do you help companies find the company that's going to buy their company? Yes. Or Oh, you do? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we do three things. So when you come to us, we provide the, the capital. Then we come in and we join the board. We'll have a, one of the, a South call one of the founders. We'll sit on the board of the company. And we have a huge list of things that we do in terms of like process mapping out everything that exists at the company now, where they want to go in the future. Then we lay out sort of how are they going to achieve it in the next three, six, nine, 12, 18 months? And we you know, sort of put those on the horizon and then we hold them accountable for sort of hitting that. And whenever there's a need, we have a wide range understanding of who we can bring in to help us solve a problem that's particular to the individual company. And then on exit, um, we actually manage the whole sale and, and, and do that. And that's all part of the South Call package where we're getting a percentage of the equity of the upside. So whatever is more the value that's created from today, so we'll value your company today, then we sell it 
let's say for 3x, we're getting a piece of the increase in that valuation. So basically we're all aligned that we want to grow this pie because the bigger the pie, the bigger the piece we get is and the bigger yeah. the piece the entrepreneur gets is. Um, because the three companies that we formed were Global Wired Partners, um, GW Partners now, they're rebranded, but GW Partners, uh, they've done well over a billion dollars of CPG um, transactions and they're an investment bank based out of Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. And Ascala, who is a scale and sell and uh, <clears throat> process mapping consultancy out of Tel Aviv in Israel. And Sellers 5, where I actually was the CFO. I left my role in, in Sellers 5 to you know run this uh, joint venture that we formed with these companies uh, with the express purpose of getting involved with the company, working with them really deeply for two years, and then selling the company. Um, How after. long has um, South Call been around? South Call has been around for uh, not even a year, not even a year. So we're, 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 you know, all of us have been inside of this business. I was at Sellers 5 from 2016, you know, till I left uh, late last year. And, you know, Scala has been around for 10 years and GW Partners has been around uh, for 10 years as well. So doing all e-commerce focused uh, work for that. So we have a long transactional history. South Call itself is a very new entity. We raised a $50 million fund to put into our portfolio companies um, to help them uh, get capital to grow. Now, the dream of a lot of entrepreneurs is that they're going to start a company with the idea of one day selling it and retiring to a tropical beach somewhere. So let's start there. What are the top things that a potential purchaser of a company care about when looking to 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 buy a company? What what makes a company viable? Perfect. I'll start. I start where I mean, as a CFO, so I'll start a little bit close to my own heart. Here is one of the first things I tell entrepreneurs, and it's one of the most boring, and they don't they don't tend to love it. Most entrepreneurs don't tend to love it, which I get. Is when their books need to be very clean. What I what I mean by clean is I'm not talking about fraud or things like that. I'm talking about everything in your books should be by accrual accounting that properly reflects how your business is performing. Because the cleaner, meaning that if they dig into you during due diligence, they're going to dig through all your financials. And if they don't find any place where what they're digging is what you're reporting, your value is going to go up huge. I mean, it's going to be a number of multiples up because they're going to go, that says to me, this entrepreneur understood how important that was and took the time, effort, and energy to make them right. Because I can't tell you that usually with the companies we, we go with, um, and it, it's not even really a problem, usually within the first 30 minutes or an hour, I'm able to uncover like something's not done right in these books of these younger companies that we work with. And then I, I was going to ask, how many companies do have their books right that you get involved with? I would, I would say, and, and in our portfolio companies that are out there, you've heard me say it to you guys, we run, a, we run a range, but I would say our absolute best ones are at a B minus um, at the stage that they're at. And we want them A's. Like we, it, to us, we value this as, as being an A. And it's also something that's completely deliverable because we can get in there. We can show you how you can get this to be there. Um, and it doesn't take a huge amount of energy. It takes some focus. It takes some some work, but, but not it's not the heaviest lift. And then once you get it right, you want to have reporting because we like to sell. We only want to we only want to be involved with the company for two years. We want to sell in eighteen to twenty four months, and we want year over year comps that are correct. 
So we really work quickly. Like it's sort of like to us, it's like blocking and tackling. If you're going to make a sports analogy, it's like come in there, get these books right, get them clean. And then everything that we report over the next two years and we go back a year, we're going to have all these numbers that they're going to instantly go. These all work. Okay, cool. We're, we're now when we go to a strategic buyer, they're not discounting you for, for an unnecessary reason. And then number two, you have to solve some sort of demand or need or solve a problem of a customer and you have to understand your customer. So we really dive into you. Like you need to understand, like I ran a retail business and my co-founder and I, it was a chain of stores that took uh, family photos, right? Digital family photos and all this. And we could walk around the mall and we knew our buyer. We go, oh, I see that person. They'd probably spend $500 on photos because we just had all of this knowledge of what they tended to drink, what they tended to wear, what they might subscribe to. You really need to understand your customer that intimately because when strategics come in, they want to make sure that the company they're buying has a long range ability. Because again, to get a high multiple and sell to a strategic, they need to be saying, you're feeling something we don't do right now. Uh, take an easy example. Like, let's say you're doing something in the arts and craft space and you want to sell to Crayola. Crayola has got tons of shelf space. You have to be answering some sort of niche very specifically that they go, we love this. This answers a problem for six to nine-year-old girls and we can give it the shelf space. You've proven through being able to sell this product $4 million a year for two years, growing 20% that this market wants this. We'll make it to the larger market, um, you know, in, in terms of doing it. So it's important to know your customer, uh, know your products. Um, South Call specifically, we have a third one, which is we really will work with entrepreneurs who care about something outside of their business. So for us, it's foundational, whether it's, and it can be anything, you know, it's for me, my passion is, is public uh, education. I was a teacher in uh, the inner city. Um, and I really like, that's something that I spend a lot of time on. I care about, I would love to see done, not to say that I don't work, you know, my tail off my job, but we always want to have somebody who has something outside of their own business that they care about. Um, and so like some of our entrepreneurs are passionate about helping young girls in Africa uh, who are disadvantaged or another one's big into marine um, uh, preservation of, you know, the environment of the marine. Um, you know, it, it could be anything, but that's important to us because to us that just sort of says we found it correlates with uh, successful entrepreneurs um, because they tend to be passionate people and, you know, their passion should be broad um, for that. Uh, but anyway, those are, those are sort of our three top ones. So I see on your website, you have a free business valuation button. What do you use to quick, I mean, guessing it's all automated. What's, what's the formula that you're using to, to create a valuation for so business? The formula is a little bit, there's a few parts of it that drive it, that, that will change it. Um, it is fairly straightforward. You're really looking at that, that sort of valuation tool. You're looking at what niche you're in, you know, what sort of where you are, where you sit in the market. So we have some sort of determinants about what it is that you purport to sell. Is it crafting products or is it live food or is it clothing? Um, these things can sort of matter. The amount of your sales, revenue size is a big one, profitability, because for us, we talk about EBITDA. Some people might call that um, discretionary owner's income. They're similar, and I don't really, you know, I won't bore, put your listeners to sleep talking about what the differences are. They're generally the same. 
But what that says is that's like the amount of cash a business is producing that they can do whatever they want with. They can reinvest in the business. They could go buy a boat. Whatever they want to do, they can take that capital out and their business is still running in the simplest terms. So you get a multiple based on that. And so where you fall on a revenue size, what industry you're in and how profitable you are, are going to absolutely determine a multiple and you multiply that multiple and that's going to get you a value. And on exit, you're going to see that we apply strategic buyer multiples, which are, are higher. And so the first thing we've had people ask us, and it's a very reasonable question, well, why do strategics pay more? Are they dumb? No. Strategics are incredibly smart. Strategics look at the world differently, which is if you've got something, like going back to my silly Crayola example, you've got this crack, you've shown the market, they know that they could 10X your sales. And it's not because they're wrong. They're right. They own shelves that we don't own. We being any of us who don't have a billion dollar company. They can then say, all right, so we pay seven times for this. Well, we're going to grow it 10 times out of the chute because we have a much bigger distribution team. system. And, and yeah, we could put this out. Yeah. So we're taking that premium and spreading it out over many, 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 many packs of this craft. And so it might be 10 cents extra on each of these craft packs. And that's totally reasonable. But the binary function of whether the market, there is a market for this or isn't, you solve that. This entrepreneur, we, she or him, he, he or her has solved whether or not there's a market and strategics go, that's what we need to know. We now know there's a market, we'll now win. That's why they pay more. Um, and so we'd always want to say that that's where we want to exit to, as opposed to a single purchase buyer or uh, an aggregator or you know something in that, in that realm, which a lot of these smaller econ companies that's where they're being sold. If they're if they're being sold on 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 you know one of these sort of buy business boards and you know and you don't sell to them at all. I, that's not going to be. I mean, no, we're going to sell to the highest bidder, but they're not going to be the highest bidder. So, like the answer is, we don't. We'll sell to anybody. So, if an aggregator came and wants to pay ten x for a business and they've got the cash, sure, they, you know, because again, we're trying to maximize that exit. So we don't take anybody off the table, but historically strategic buyers are going to be significantly above any of those other markets. So when you provide company, you partner with a company and you're providing them with capital infusion, how much do they determine they need and what are they using it for? Yeah. So that's a good, so we do that right up front. Um, one of the things about South Coast is we're a very big believer in very clear conversations and discussions up front. So People laugh because our LOIs are incredibly de detailed. So can we get into a letter of intent where we're trying to work with the company? We list out everything that we're going to do. And we list out everything that we expect to be done and how to let and do it. And we don't shy away from difficult conversations. So that's when we want to have the difficult conversation. The entrepreneur, you know, again, sometimes it's easier to discuss this sort of like fake realities. The entrepreneur is saying, no, I really want to go sell this in Europe. And that's where I want to do it. That's I want to take this money. I want to open up and sell in Europe. And we go, well, actually, we want you to expand in the U.S. because that's where you could, you're, you're only doing 10% of your volume. You could be doing the U.S. We want to, that's where we see the fastest way to grow your revenue. Let's talk about that now. And let's talk about what you know and what we think, because we always believe that we want to work with entrepreneurs that, that have deep opinions. Um, but we also want entrepreneurs that listen. So we have all those conversations up front. So that once we get into it 
everybody's aligned. Everyone's going, okay, hey, look, we've decided we're going to attack Europe in six months and we're doing this now or whatever, whatever we decide. And then everybody pulls towards that so that there's no confusion. So, so we get involved with a company and we direct where it's going to go. So when the capital is coming in, we have a budget and we say, okay, we're bringing, let's say a million and a half dollars. Okay. We're launching a 3PL. We're launching the EU. We are, um, uh, you know, bringing in a data system to, to, to help sort of like manage inventory. And we're launching three new products, which are going to cost this amount to develop and take this long and be launched by X date. And so then that's how we're going to spend the $1.5 million. Um, and here's areas that we think we might hire into, because as we grow, we're going to need to have increased staff, right? Like we try to buy businesses that are super leverageable, right? That, that we can take people and really, you know, get a lot more revenue with the same headcount. But obviously sometimes when you do things, you need to bring in, you know, whatever it might be. Maybe it's, maybe you bring in someone for outbound sales. You've never had outbound sales. You're going to do sell some, you know, to, to larger distributions and you're going to go out there and, you know, try, try to sell it and you're going to hire someone to do that. So like whatever, whatever we've decided are the three to four things that are going to drive this two to three X growth because stepping back, when you look at a business, if you want it to double or triple, the existing business, you can have it grow at 20% or maybe you're like a phenomenal and you can have it be growing at 30 or 40%. That's still not double or triple. So you have to be bringing in new ideas that you say are big changers. So it's, you know, you're bringing in a new market, a new product, a new, you know, those are the things that are going to be like, well, we sold 8 million last year. We're bringing in this one here sells 2 million. We're doing this and this, which are similar to it. And we think it sells as much as it. That's how we're getting four more million dollars. So there's 4 million, right? That, you know, we're trying to get to that triple. We've got to build up. You know, so it sounds like the the funding that you're given is more for companies to use on infrastructure um, opposed to just simply trying to drive more traffic. Well, sometimes driving traffic to be part. I, actually, we, we, we're doing a big project with a client now where we are lowering their CAC um, from you know where it is down 40% and driving traffic. So we're actually increasing marketing spend, trying to decrease CAC and increase LTV. So from that marketing side, we want them to have money to spend, but we're we want to make sure we're driving profitable growth because that's another part that that we're we could be different than other people who are are, are very successful. Um, we believe when we go into a company, given a two year time road, uh, you know time period that we're looking at, we don't we don't want to do a ton of things that are profitable from the start. So if we're driving traffic, we want it to be profitable by. You know, if you're a product that sells multiple in a short period of time, then fine. It could be the second or third, but generally we want that first purchase for it to be profitable, that first purchase. Now, how narrow do you make that profitability? That's where we sit down and we talk and go, what's the value of a customer? Like if we bring- Yeah, yeah you know, a lifetime value. Yeah. yeah. And go, so we can talk about that and, and go, you know, like, I mean, again, going back to my, my route, like to get somebody in for their first portraits at my old company, I, I would almost do it for free because we knew- that everyone who came in would come in six times or more on average and spend $400 per time. So to get that into the store, I was very willing to sort of aggressively reach out to get a new mom in with a baby under one, because those are the people that started to come in, you know, every month or two as their baby's changing, right? That first two years of growth for, for us. Um, and then it might go to yearly 
after that. They might just come in once a year around their favorite holiday or spring or back to school or whatever period they want to commemorate. So for us, you know that. And so if you got me a new parent, I was willing to pay through the through the teeth for it because I knew the value I could get providing a great service to them when they came in. How important is it for an entrepreneur to remove themselves from the business before going to sell it? Oh, interesting. So, so I would say that generally um, we would tell uh, entrepreneurs that we look for businesses that could be sold completely. So we love it when it can actually, again, if we go back to what we were talking about with the Scala, we map out the whole process where by the end, our portfolio covers, we literally can just put down a binder that walks through how, how to do everything. So almost literally the entrepreneur should be able to walk out of the building that day and somebody take this binder and start running the business incredibly effectively with that. Now, most strategic buyers are not going to necessarily allow you to do that, but we look for a very short sort of overlap period because a lot of times strategic buyers might do something where they do a period of, of, of outflow to make sure that the um, acquisition goes smoothly, you know, that, that, that just, you know, that they know things and all of that, but we try to keep it to a minimum because we try to have everything where they see how to do it and they don't really want, they want to do it their way. And they have a vested interest to sort of want to take what the entrepreneur has, but not then deal with the entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs are great at a lot of things, but most entrepreneurs we deal with having taking orders from people above them is not their skill set. Their whole skill set is <laughs> they drive it themselves. And when you get to right. GG buyer, that isn't often the best fit and you see it all the time. So again, we try to have those negotiations up front and just say, look, look at all of this. You don't need them to stay very long. They'll stay to make sure that everything's up and smooth, but, but they're ready to go to the beach, you know, or they're ready to go. They have another product and they want to go, <laughs> they want to go start that and, yeah. you know, get on, get on with that. Now, do you have a favorite success story of one of the businesses that you've worked with? over this last year that was eventually sold? Yeah. So, so, I mean, we are, so being our time period of, of hold is two years. We haven't had an exit yet. Um, one of our companies though, is been incredibly exciting. When I was talking about the marketing um, uh, project that we're working in depth with them on, they are seeing their CAC has come down 30%. The lifetime value has gone up 20%. Their sales are up 40% year over year. And we're launching them into a 3PL where they're actually going to probably triple their top five SKUs because we're going to be able to, they were order volume uh, constrained. I, I, I will try not to give them one, but I mean, they'll know who they are. But uh, where they worked from, we did an analysis that the most amount of orders they could get out in a day is, is 5,000. That, that, that's, that's, that's the maximum this could get out. They were regularly doing six to seven or 8,000 during their busy period, during the holidays and getting them out. And so I laughed. And I told the CEO, I said, I've never seen people approach the maximum because generally when you approach that maximum, you start tripping over yourself and, and little problems ripple through and then there's huge problems and you get it. But these folks are are they're up in Maine and they are just um, they could fix everything with a with duct tape. They just brought in trucks and they were running lines out from the back of semis and and sort of getting it all out. That's cold in Maine in the holidays. It is. It, it, you are correct. You are correct. So they, so like I said, they did it through sheer 
unbelievable effort and fortitude. And I mean, it was awesome. Like I told the team, they're phenomenal, but we're making their life easier because now that we're getting that out where they don't need to do these ones, we now can lower that down to where now they can stay at that maximum, but focus on the things that can only come out of there and everything else that we can get from another place where they don't have to do it. We can increase the order volume and then they don't have to stop advertising because the last holiday season, they had to turn down ads because they understood they were, they were, they were, you know, running too hard and too long and their employees were staying, you know, incredible hours, you know, to, 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 to get it out because they all have passion for the product and want to be, you know, want to sort of serve the customer, but there's a limit, right? I mean, they, they have to get home at some point, they have to get sleep, they have to do that. And so this year they're excited that we're going to be able to push this really hard because the strain of the high moving SKUs, the top 10 SKUs, which accounted for 65% of sales, they're now coming from the 3PL. And so we can push it and all the customers will get it and they'll get it faster and easy and in our package kits and, and all that. So that's the type of, that's a success story where we're we're going to be thrilled as heck next year uh, to come to market with this company. And, and we're, we already, you know, one of the things we do is well before a year before sale, we are in contact with a lot of strategic buyers. And like, obviously we know the company, we already have started talking to people in this sort of space and just sort of casually mentioning that we've got a yeah. company that's doing really well and they're interested. You know, there's interest out there. Do your clients, are they selling on their own site? Are they selling on a Shopify site? Are they selling on an Amazon store? Are they selling in retail stores where typically, well, you said e-commerce, so I assume it's their own site, but is it their own site and Amazon? Or so just their we, own site. We run the gamut. So for us, we're not going to probably we, what we run the gamut with the following. They have to have at least their own site or Amazon, right? So we're not going to work with just a traditional, just only brick and mortar sort of sales. That's not where our, our assets lie, which I'll circle back to why that is, because we and all of our companies, if they're an Amazon only seller, we go and explore and go, why aren't you doing D2C? Why aren't you having your own website? What are the hurdles? Maybe that's an investment. That's a huge investment to get D2C working. That's an investment. Maybe we use the capital to do that so that you have, you know, Omnichannel. You have your own site, you have Amazon. We have one, actually the, the client I was just speaking of, they're exclusively right now, they're 95% D2C and they're not on Amazon and they haven't been for a year and a half or two years. Um, long story there, but like they just haven't. And we're like, come on, let's, let's get on Amazon because it's a marketplace, it's a channel. It's a place where we can make money and sell. So why would we not be there? Let's let's go there. We understand how to make it work. Let's launch that. So we're, we're doing that as well, which is going to be a huge channel. And then stores, we also are a big believer in stores. We generally will advise, and it'll depend from product to product, but we would advise clients that we do the store testing right ahead of when we're going to go sell. Because what we want to do is we want to show a potential buyer that this would be successful at stores. But doing a store launch successfully, if you want to try to open up in 4,000 targets, it's a bigger lift than almost any company of this size generally can handle, unless that's like where they come from. If that's their background and they have a whole team that can do it. It's very complex. It's very complex, very difficult, and it can boomerang on you very, very fast. So we generally go, when we know that you're about to sell, let's go be really successful with a store launch, we control the number of stores, but we make sure that the throughput is very high, the reorder amount is high. We make sure that everything's delivered. We have people going to that store every day to make sure the shelf is neat, that you know everything about it is right. And then when we go to sell to the to the buyer, 
We go, you've got much better ability to roll out to all these stores. We've shown you it can be successful in this store, whatever's relevant to you. Is it, you know, is it, you know, Hobby Lobby or is it Target or is it Costco, wherever, wherever we think the, the, the store fit is the most important, we go and be successful there and then go here. You guys are much, much better at this. You go ahead and do that. You leverage your skills and, you know, you'll pay a, you know, a premium because you'll see that cool. We now know it will work in store um, as well. What are some of the challenges that you've experienced? Have you given somebody capital, for instance, and not seen growth where you thought you would have? I would say more is is the one thing that we're very, very um, careful about is new product launches can be a large suck of money because you need to understand that every product launch has risks inherent with it. So like launches can be successful or not. Like obviously you do all your homework. You you make sure you've tried to do all the testing on it. You, you do all the, all the best actions that you can. But the point is inherently there's going to be risk. So we want to make sure we, we are very budget focused where we have had an early company where they got a little ahead of the budget and that's where you can run into trouble. You got to keep, I always say, stay on where your skis, which is we have a budget. We've got to stay within it. And when things start to push out of that budget, we have to sit and go, we got to get it back in budget, not, Hey, let's just spend it and go and sort of get it. It's we need to make sure you're staying within budget. Um, and then in terms of growth, when, when it's not there, our basic premises, we're selling profitably, right? Cause if you remember back to the beginning of this, I said, we look for companies that are selling profitably now. So if you're selling profitably and it's going down, we then say, okay, here's the amount we can now invest, the profits of the new number. Let's use that profits, push it back into the business and get ourselves back onto the growth trajectory. And why aren't we on the growth trajectory? Let's answer that question is, why are we not on the growth trajectory? Is our hero skew need a partner or need a brand moat? Or does it need another product? What, what would address the, the change in growth? And so we've been pretty successful that we've been able to come in and say, look, this is what we're going to do. Here's how we'll get it. And then get back on the growth path. Because again, our time window is pretty short. We want to sell in two years. So it's, it's we want to solve it immediately. So as soon now, as we get on it. You had made the comment earlier that entrepreneurs are, are good with, with business and running business and creating, thinking of ideas, but not so good in answering to people. I guess, how are the businesses you partner with when you tell them something like you need to stay in budget or, I mean, it almost comes off like they're, they're now answering to somebody when they partner with you. That's interesting is so one during the process of screening for portfolios, the CEOs we've been involved with have all really found it very interesting that we have a very detailed and specific uh, process that we make sure that we fit interpersonally. So I'll give you an easy example because like everybody, you know, everybody knows, you know, Apple and everyone knows Steve Jobs, how great he was, right? I say to people, Steve Jobs is great. So no one needs to worry about that. It's well proven that he's great. He's not going to be an entrepreneur. That would be great with us because he was a lone wolf. He was going to do what he was going to do. And amazing. He's an amazing, amazing, amazing. We're not sort of set up for that. We actually look for entrepreneurs who are very successful, who are holistic, who, who want, who, who are saying, I'm not really good at the marketing side. Could you guys help give me that resource? Yes, we're going to jump in. 
we will help you. We've got resources for marketing. We, we will help you. I'm really not good at finances. No problem. We're here to support. So we look for entrepreneurs that are, are saying, I am awesome at product development. I know it. I want my time freed up to do more product development. So we try to come in and really off the hop, those difficult conversations, we try to go, what do you love to do? What makes what makes your heart sore? Okay, we're not going to get you 100% of that. We're going to try to get you a huge chunk of your time to spend on that. And we'll fill in the other pieces to give you that bedrock. And then we make sure that there are people that are listening. And then ultimately, we always just make suggestions. And if they go, no, we had a portfolio. We said like, hey, we believe you should do this. They listened to it. We had a constructive conversation. They decided they wanted to go the other way. As soon as that happens, we go, how can we be successful going that way? What can we do to support that way? The time for talking about what we're going to do is over. And we don't live in a world where we get to do this twice. So let's be successful now. If we're growing in the U.S., let's go. Let's 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 go do that. If we're going to the EU, let's go do that. What can we do to make you successful? What can we do to make it so that this is successful? Um, and then when we sell this for huge multiple at the closing dinner, we can laugh and joke about what would have happened if we gone the other way. Um, but I want it to be when we've had a successful exit, regardless of, of what it is. So we tell our entrepreneurs it's their decision. Then getting to your last point, we actually, in our documents, again, these difficult discussions, we actually require budgets. And it's in the documents that to go outside of budget, there needs to be unanimous board decision. So basically that's saying they know when we do every year, we do a budget. Once we have that budget, that's just the way it is. It's that budget is a controlling item. And so their time to sort of have that ability to do those things is when we set it. And usually that time is December. You know, it's in that December meeting for the year, the next calendar year for most companies. And during that time, we're like, look, tell us what projects you want to do. Tell us how much they're going to cost. Give us that budget. Build it up for us. Like we're we're here. We want that. Like we want, you know, this to happen. Um, but we want it to be thoughtful and planned out because sometimes entrepreneurs, even really good ones, we just try to make sure they're not just jumping from one to another to another to, and sort of saying, if we're going to change course, we need to have significant reasons why, and we need to understand it. And that's our control. And we set it up at the beginning and we tell them, this is because we want to sell in two years. And if we're changing path every three months, we're not going to be able to sell in two years. How does your fee structure work? So our fee structure works that we get a percent, we, we value the company today and we get a percent of the upside. So we come in and let's just say you have 5 million in revenue and 1 million in EBITDA and we value you at 5 million. So five times that 1 million. So your company's worth 5 million today. We'll get some percentage above 5 million for what we sell. So if we don't sell it for more, or we've put in all this time, energy, effort, work, strategy, my anything. But if we sell for 100 million, we're getting our that percentage on all of that, you know, all of that 95 million that's above, uh, above. And then we'll also usually have a catch-up provision where if we increase it by enough, we get our percentage from dollar to zero. But basically the way it is is unless the entrepreneur has increased their money, we're not getting we're not getting our our, our fee. We we are at risk. We tell the entrepreneurs, we're coming in and we are at risk with you. Like because your life is probably in here, right? Your your house, whatever you know, whatever you have here, you you are deeply invested. Well, we also are invested. Is there ever disagreements about the initial valuation? 
For sure. And that's why we have, like I told you, difficult conversations, we have them up front. Our LOI you know, walks through it. Um, interestingly, in our investments, I would say that, I would say well over 80% think that our valuation is pretty fair. Because here's our theory. We try to do a very fair, like six months ago, we were closing a deal. Uh, I'm sorry, last quarter. So three months ago, we were closing a deal. And the market's tight. I don't know, three months ago, man, there were no deals getting done. Things are way down. We went to them and said, look, we're in this for two years. This is what we think you would be valued in the normal market. Not the crazy market of, you know, 2001 or, you know, whatever. But just in the normal market, we think, and they were very happy. They said, that, that's a very fair valuation. You know, we, we would love it. We understand we wouldn't get that today. If we went out today, we wouldn't be able to sell it for 10 million. That's a fair valuation. Um, and so we came in at 10 million. And the point is we come into companies and I say this to the entrepreneurs is every entrepreneur should believe that their company is going to triple in the next two years. That's like a fundamental belief entrepreneurs should have. They should always have that mindset that like, it's just going to happen, right? Which is great. When we get involved with a company, it means that we, the founders of South Call, believe it's going to triple in the next two years. And so when we believe that, the initial valuation isn't our gating point because we'll value at 10 million because we think we're going to sell you for 30. We think that in two years, if we think come next year, we're putting you on the market for 30 million. And that's what we want, right? I don't need to nickel and dime. Are you 6 million today if you went to market? Sure. Are you 8 million? I don't know. Are you, you're never, you know, and the point is, we just try to sort of come in with a, a fair, normalized market value. Um, but for sure, I mean, entrepreneurs are always, um, you know, wanting that. And we always try to tell them, we, we put it right there. We say, here's how we came up with it. This was your revenue. This was your EBITDA. Here's the multiple we applied. And if you have a different one, come to us. And then we actually have ways for our deal to work that we've done deals where they want a sort of valuation based on revenue. And we go, okay, but then on the exit, that's what we get to value our piece off of as well. So we use the same valuation technique. So, you know, there's a lot of ways we can do this to make the entrepreneur feel comfortable about the entry valuation. And how can an interested listener learn more about working with you guys? Well, number one, you can go to uh, southhall.co, just C-O, uh, and it's S-O-U-T-H-C-O-L. So South Call is the last face of Everest. It's a technical, almost technical part of climbing Everest. The reason we're called South Call, we work with investors who've already gone all the way up the mountain. They're, they're up Everest. They're very near the top. There's just a little left for that final ascent up. And that's where South Call comes in to help. So you can go to our website. You can contact. You can also contact me directly. I would, I take emails every day and I, I answer them all myself. And it's nick at southcall.co. Um, those are the easiest ways to do it. You can fill out uh, our valuation tool and get an idea of what your valuation is. Um, and then you can call us. We will, we work very quickly. You provide, you know, we get, you know, sort of your financial information, all that. We'll circle back with you and tell you what, where we see the market, your value, um, and where we could or couldn't work with you. And the last thing I'll say is, Andy, we, we, Pride ourselves. We, we know a lot of people through the space. So we had a lot of our companies. We say no to 95% of the people that we speak to. We're saying, sorry, because we're looking for a very, because we're taking a huge risk, right? For us, we need to sort of really hit, like align with the entrepreneur, uh -huh. align with the market, align with the, the plan, right? That's a lot to, to line up. 
And, but one of the things we do is I would say that probably 50% or maybe 70% of the people we work with, we put them in touch with somebody that can help them. We say, Hey, look, in looking at your business, we see this. It's, you know, something that we would look into here, are a couple of people you could reach out to if you want help. You know, we looked at your PPC and it looks out of line. Here are five people we've worked with in the past that are great at it. Here's, you know, reach out to them. And if you want to work with them, cool. You know, not because my theory is if we can help somebody. I mean, we've had people come back to us like already just, you know, we've only been around, you know, not even a year. I already have one that I was like, oh, you guys are just a little small, but here's some things, gave him some resources. He just emailed me last week and he's like, hey, we're seeing 20% year over year growth. I think by this Christmas, we'll be big enough. Would you guys still be interested? I'm like, I'd love to. So let's, let's, let's get together. If you're at Prosper, let's meet there. Then let's talk, you know, next year. And so we look at everything as if we can help these companies. They can come back to us later when there's a fit or whatever there is. We always try to help and provide. That's that. great. That's great. And speaking of help, I mean, you have given a lot of great information today for companies thinking of selling or um, sometime in the future selling. So thank you very much, Nick. Thank you for having me on. All right. For listeners, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us an honest review. And if you're looking for more information regarding South Call or connecting with Nick, you will find the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our all-new podcast resource center available at podcast.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all our different past guests by show topic and included each of their contact information in case you would like more information on any of the topics in previous episodes. Well, that's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing.